potential is slept on, not only by other people, but by ourselves. And I feel like if we realize that potential, we would honestly stop seeking gratification from a group of people that will never see our value and never see our worth. And one of the main reasons why they don't see it is because we don't see it in ourselves. Because you're reaching for acceptance from a group of people who have never cared to begin with. Self-acceptance, self-grace, manifesting within yourself, seeing beyond just what you know or what you're taught. Our parents didn't know everything. Our grandparents didn't know everything. Our great-grandparents didn't know everything. We only did or we only dealt with the cards that laid in front of us. We never reached for the deck and flipped through it to see what else there may be. We only see those cards that, and it's so much more beyond that. So, and I mean, it's lit because I'm black. <laughs> the joy of children laughing. It is true, the makings of you. What's up, good people? How y'all doing? It is your host, Mr. D713, or Drake with Everything Culture. And we're back with another Makings of You. And tonight we are with Renee. Renee is joining us. And you know, she met her on TikTok. You know, she's been one of my good people that's been following me and rocking with me with a little, little bit over there. If, you, if y'all don't follow me on TikTok yet, y'all miss now. You ain't got to. But hey, I just, that's where you can catch me at time from time to time. But Renee, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you? I am swell. I'm awesome. You know, I'm blessed. I will say that. Um, you know, we were just showing how this is your first time listening to the well, not listening, but you want to make this organic. So this is your first time experience to make into you. So with this, it's all about you. You feel me? All about you. Um, nobody can sway anything about you. Nobody can speak up for you other than you. So you can ask some questions. They're open-ended. If you feel uncomfortable with the question, you can say pass. If you don't know the answer at the moment, once again, no wrong answers. These are just your answers, okay? We can come back to you or... Matter of fact, if I don't know is an answer. So anything like that, you know, we just go ride. We just go ride the wave. This is a vibe. Okay. You good? You ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. Let's do this. So Renee, it, what do you want me to call you, Renee? Is Renee cool? Okay, Renee. Renee. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. So Renee, who are you? Um, As a person? I'm a whole introverted hot mess, is what I like to call it. Introverted hot mess. Okay. 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 There's Probably. a lot of there's okay. a lot of levels to this. Okay. So give me a give me one of the levels. Um I don't know. Let's just go for the jugular. Uh my toxic trait is sleeping on myself and my potential. Mm. We don't want to do that, right? We don't want to do that. I'm trying. I'm trying. Trying. I'm I'm borderline in shambles right now, but I'm trying. Look, we get 
but we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. What do you identify as? Me? <laughs> nah, she, her. However you want to look at it. I'm, I'm just me. I mean, no other real way to describe it. Okay. I'm a unique. Love it. Love it. How would you describe yourself? Um, if I had to describe myself, like I did say, I'm I'm introverted, but I'm a little mean, but I'm mean in a good way, in a constructive way, because like the people that I surround myself with and the people that are around, I want them to hit their full potential, which also falls back to my toxic trait. I push them, but I don't push myself. Which is backwards as hell, but I mean, hey, I digress. I want the best for the people around me. Like, no matter who it is, I want to see the good in everybody. I want everybody to do good. I look out for people more than I look out for myself. I try to keep myself in a selfless mindset. So I don't think about myself like I should. Okay. okay. I, I I guess a pinch of mean with a whole lot of love and caring, if that makes sense. No, it, I, it makes a whole lot of sense. You know, I got some aunties like that. So <laughs> <laughs> how would you describe your culture? Ooh. How would I describe my culture? It's painful at times, but it's lit. Painful at times, but lit. Yes. And what I mean by that is like painful in a sense of, as far as my Black or African American, however you want to look at it, my people, you know, the things that we have to go through, the things that society puts us through. The things that we put ourselves through, because some of the things that we do are self-inflicted. Mm-hmm. And I wish that we saw the potential that we have and the things that we can do and manifest if we just realize, simply just realizing it. I think a lot of our culture or my culture's potential is slept on, not only by other people, but by ourselves. And I feel like if we realized that potential, we would honestly stop seeking gratification from a group of people that will never see our value and never see our worth. And one of the main reasons why they don't see it is because we don't see it in ourselves. Because you're reaching for acceptance from a group of people who have never cared to begin with. Self-acceptance, self-grace, manifesting within yourself, seeing beyond just what you know or what you're taught. Our parents didn't know everything. Our grandparents didn't know everything. Our great-grandparents didn't know everything. We only did or we only dealt with the cards that laid in front of us. We never reached for the deck and flipped through it to see what else there may be. We only see those cards that... And it's so much more beyond that. So, 
And I mean, it's lit because I'm black. <laughs> if you know, you know. It's just that simple. Exactly. I, I, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Okay. Hey, let's get into it. Thank you. Y'all are listening to the makings of Renee. Okay. Renee, where are you from? I am from Alabama. Alabama. Alabama, Alabama to be exact. Okay. Okay. How I'm old are you? I am 34 years young. Okay. Uh, you're talking about I'm old. You know, uh, we ain't going to get into me right now. We'll keep it going. We'll keep it shaking. We'll keep it shaking. You got me by one. <laughs> What's your sign? I am the greatest. <laughs> I'm a Leo, of course. Oh, what's happening? What's happening? Like, you had me worried there for a second. Yeah, you know, well, I hear people say we're the greatest. I'm like, here we go again. Then I'm like, you know, you got it, you know, spot on, spot on. We good. There ain't no arguing with nobody. Oh, no. We just letting it just it, it is what it is. We don't want to be that. Yeah, it is what it is. Okay. How would you define your childhood and upbringing? Oh, Lord. Mm. <laughs> I'll say good and bad. Uh, I say good because at the time, as a child growing up, I saw what I thought people had it, you know, I thought people had it worse than I did. I mean, I grew up in a two-parent household. Um, I was the baby of the family, so I was a little spoiled, not too much, but just a little bit. Um, you know, both of my parents worked, you know, I never really grew up, um, seeing my parents fight with each other. You know, it was what seemed to be a healthy household. Um, but hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> um, You know, I grew up with both of my grandmothers. One of my grandmothers is actually still alive. I never knew my grandfather, but for the most part, it was what seemed to be a close-knit family, like a lot of us are still close, don't get me wrong, but now in my adult years, and I look back, and I'm forced to look back on my childhood and where certain things transpired or went wrong or whatever, however you want to describe it, it wasn't that picture-perfect good childhood that I perceived it to be when I was younger. And didn't know any better because the trauma that I go through now is directly caused by things that happened to me growing up. And I miss those key points. I miss those marks. But my grandmother used to always say, just live on and you'll see. Never understood what that meant as a child until mm. I got older and I look back on a lot of key points that directly affect me now. And like, even now, just thinking about it, I'm not normally an emotional person, but it is different because, you know, you have to do that, that, that healing and that growth journey. And you're forced to look back at it just so you can push yourself forward. You got to figure out the root cause. And that's kind of what I'm dealing with now at the age of 34 because I've avoided it for so long. And 
growing up in church and growing up and being taught a certain way. And you're not supposed to do this. And you're not supposed to question that. And, you know, what happens in the family stays in the family. Those things. Now, granted. I'm as far as God is concerned, the church is concerned. I'm still there with it. But. Also, I'm taking another look. At all those things that were hidden, all those family secrets, all those, you know, you don't let outside people in. You don't tell the family business. But that stuff is breaking a lot of our age and our generation. Those are the things that we're having to come back and heal from. Because there are things that have happened to us and things that we were taught. And now in our adult years, it's like, that was just wrong. All wrong. And it's like, I'll be damned. You know, you just, you, you having one of those aha moments. And it's like, hey, my family is a mess. My childhood was a mess. Like my whole childhood is, is just in shambles. Because I've had to think about the things that I've been through. Now, granted, you know, morals and values and things like that i'll carry those with me for the rest of my life respect that's a big thing but those other like i said those other hidden secrets and things that we were told by our grandparents and our parents yeah i'm not doing that especially not with my daughter um mm. i can't uh, you no, it, was, it was good and bad Hey, let me tell you something. For someone to be an introvert, you you open it up and you touch us on some beautiful things that we appreciate you doing with us tonight. Um, I, you know something? I've always been told that I if I couldn't do nothing else, I could talk. Same I can good. converse with the dozen of them, but do I like being around? <laughs> so much. No, absolutely understand that. Trust me. So, what were the roles of your parents coming up? Um, what do you mean? Like, and once again, open-ended. So, in your life, how did you depict your parents? What did they do? Where, where were their roles in your life? Um, my dad was my best friend. So, um, I, I mean, but I, like, as far as their roles, as far as husband and wife, I'm woman and man, you know, they both did things, you know, both of them did housework, both of them worked full-time, both of them were heavily involved with me and my other siblings. I mean, so they didn't, they didn't teach us gender roles, like, oh, you do this because you're a girl and your brothers do this because they're men, etc. No. Like, my dad had me in karate or... I was a tomboy growing up, and <laughs> it comes out sometimes. I mean, but that's another story for another time. But like I said, my dad was my best friend. Mm-hmm. That was my partner in crime. I could go to that man when I couldn't go to nobody else. And, you know, I had my dad up until I was 27 years old. So it wasn't like, you know, I lost my dad at a young age and I was, looking for that affection and things like that. My dad was always there. If I called my dad with so much as a splinter, he was on the way. 
Now, my relationship with my mom, hmm, we got to pray about that thing. But um, I digress. Uh, but as a whole, there was togetherness. Like I never saw them divided. And if they were, they didn't let us see it. Like I said, you know, those those family secrets, those those hidden things. So I'm not saying it's not it wasn't there, but they always showed us unity mm. in, in, in some capacity. Like it was never divided. When he got down sick, when my dad got down sick at first, from well, from beginning to end, my mama was right there. And you know, that's something I'll never take away from her because regardless of his medical conditions, she stood her ground. You know, she was there. So if I had to model certain things after my parents, the way that they had each other's back and the loyalty that they had for each other, I would definitely hold true to that in my own relationship if I get him. That's another story for another time. Hey, but I love it though. That's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. What belt did you get though? Oh, my mama, my mama. You said you was in karate. What belt did you make it to? Now, Drake, now you got to make me think back. Cause <laughs> I know. I was in elementary school. I don't remember. I wasn't good at it. I just got to know. I people know are going to. I gotta ask that question for the people, because people, I like I, people want to know. Like, you was in karate. What belt did you get? Did you make? I don't know all the order, but was it white, black? Um, Pulling around with me, I definitely was not a black belt, because I know that's that's top notch. Look for the people and the inquiring minds that want to know: Was I good at karate? No. Can I throw hands? Yes. Noted. <laughs> <laughs> she don't know karate, but she know crazy. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Hey, gotcha hello. Gotcha. So you mentioned you had some siblings. So how many siblings do you have? <sighs> I'm a little heathen. I have, all of my siblings are older than me, a lot older than me. Um, I have one sister. I have one biological brother and two adopted brothers. Oh, a total of three boys and two girls. Okay, and you're the youngest. You're the baby, baby. I'm a baby. They save the best for last, of course. Oh, okay, okay. I'm serious. I am the best. They Where love the kids. <laughs> Where do you consider home? <sighs> I don't know. Mm, okay. And what I mean by that is, like, I really. Don't know, because like what I considered home for so long has been so disrupted that it doesn't, it no longer feels like home. Mm. So it feels like I'm in the process of finding that home. I mean, I could easily say Alabama is home. I mean, it is. I was born and raised here. I've lived several different places, but coming back here is my roots. This is where I started from. But does it feel like home? No. Um, my parents' house, does it feel like home? No. Mm. Not anymore. It used to. But, again, that growth and looking back and seeing things for what they 
really truly are, it no longer feels that way. Because I, when I think about home, I think about a sense of comfort, you know, peace, and that's all disrupted. Mm. I don't feel that anymore. So I'm indifferent when it comes down to where home actually is. So that's a to be continued, I think. Yeah, it can be. It will be. And thank you for sharing. Um, once again, y'all, we are listening. You are listening to the makings of Renee. Um, so thank y'all for joining. So, grown up or up through your childhood when you were in your household, home, and things of that nature, did mm-hmm. you have any chores? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, Definitely. Well, what was your what was your go to and what was your least favorite? Oh, it's funny. Um, anything that involved bleach <laughs> was my least favorite. <laughs> as a child or as a adolescent, I could not stand the smell of bleach. I couldn't do it. I don't know why, but like now, as an adult. That's like all I use that, that, for everything, just about for everything. I put a little bit in the dishwater, the laundry, the mop water. My classmates used to tell me when I was in college, because don't judge me. This is something that my grandmother started. My grandmother used to put a little bit of bleach in our bath water. Because she would say, like, you know, if you don't scrub your knees and your elbows and stuff like that, you're not clean. So she would put, I kid you not, and you're going to laugh because you're from the South, so you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. She used to put a little bit of bleach and that green palm olive dish liquid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. That's you what she would say put. nothing new to me, y'all. <laughs> like, this right. But I mean, but you know what? You'd be surprised. Because I used to tell people this, and they look at me like, you bathe in bleach? Yes. You got to think about it. This is something I did as a child. Now, if you've never done it, I wouldn't recommend it. But my body is pretty much <laughs> to it. So it doesn't bother me. And, like, even now, I do it. Like, my daughter, I mean, she's, you know, self-sufficient now. But at the time, I used to put it in, um, I used to put it in her water. Because the same thing my grandmother taught us is the same thing I do for her as far as, you know, cleanliness. And my classmates used to tell me that, like, you smell sterile. I said, what's the sterile smell like? They were like, why do I smell bleach? I'm like, because I just got out of the tub. They were like, you know what? That don't make no sense. And I'm like, look, at least y'all help us know I'm clean. Like, dang, like, y'all got to do me like you know, y'all, y'all know why we do the makings of you. She, she, once again, she ain't been listening to the episodes. This, she don't understand. This is everything she says. Why we do what we do? That's why we have these conversations here. Because once again, this is our culture. This is how we're brought up. You know. And look, you know, you know, hey, you know. Let's get back on track. Let's get back to Renee, y'all. Let's get back to Renee. So, if you didn't do them chores, how were you disciplined growing up? Um, well, of course, the go-to was fussing. Well, my dad, he, my dad was a softie. He couldn't do it. If he had to discipline me, he would cry about it later. And we're talking about a Libra man. My father was a Libra. 
he couldn't handle it, especially not me being a baby. And he used to tell my mom, he's like, you just too hard on me. Don't fuss at us so much. <laughs> <laughs> and then she'd be like, shut up. <laughs> she'd tell me. And like, or if I got, you know, if I got a whooping, he'd be like, uh, that's enough. You ain't got to do all that. So my mama was a stern one and my daddy was a salty when it came to me. Especially me and my sister. Now, the boys, not really. But like I said, there's such a huge age gap. So What's the age gap between you and your sister? Ten years. Ten oh Lord. When I was in the sixth what I was in the fifth or the sixth grade, my sister went to the army. Mm. So I was at home by myself from towards the end of elementary school until I left home. So you was almost like the only child to a sense too. Yes. And it's 20 years between me and my biological brother. Wow. Wow. My daddy was an old head. He was he was out here robbing cradles. Shout out to Pops, you know, hey, no in a better place. No in a better place. Listen down laughing at this. I'm like, <laughs> like, oh, he already knew I was a whole hot man. I'm actually a lot like him. That's what everybody say, I was just about to say, I don't even know him, but I know he come from you. So that that I mean he, you come from him, you know, you you come from him. So you gotta have he instilled bits and pieces all through you. So once again, that's why we're doing the makings of Renee. So Renee. How do you feel about your education so far in life? Ooh, I'm done with it. <laughs> I don't have any more schooling left in me. And I'll give you a, a brief rundown. Um, of course, I graduated high school. Um, but oddly enough, when I was actually in school, I was good at it, but I didn't really care. For it. I didn't care. I did it because that was quote unquote the right thing to do or that's what you needed to do you know you always told go to school get education nobody can ever take that away from you and that is true but is it mandatory no you can learn so life experiences have taught me way more than any book that I have ever opened or paid for thank you Fannie Mae but I graduated uh, college twice um yes like don't know what in the world i was thinking both of them are (laughs) medical degrees um one in nursing and one in surgical technology that's something that a lot of people don't know about me um working in surgery was probably one of my favorite things to do nursing to me was boring shout out to all the nurses i know Y'all getting it in, especially in these times. To me, it was it wasn't what I wanted to be. Um, after I finished that, I immediately went back to school to become what they call a scrub tech or a surgical tech. Um, and basically, what that is for the people that may not know, like what you see on Grey's Anatomy, the person that's passing those instruments and holding the abdomen open for the doctor. That's what I did. Uh, is it as reality TV-ish or commercialized or 
extravagant as Grey's Anatomy in the operating room? Absolutely not. All that stuff that you see on TV? No. It does not happen like that. So <laughs> if that's a question, no. Your answer is no. There's no um, operating room antics, no uh, relationship drama inside the OR, people coming in and out. Uh, no, that doesn't happen. Now, granted, we still, you know, we could talk and, you know, we joke and laugh, listen to music while you're working because if not, it's going to be extremely quiet and awkward. But all the other stuff, no, that don't happen. Um, those are my two degrees as far as college is concerned, but there are a lot of other things outside of that that I know how to do and I'm certified to do. Mm. Um, I'm a baker. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, I don't really tell people that. That's one of my hidden secrets. Um, I've been baking ever since I was about 17 years old. Um, yeah, I think that's probably one of my favorite things to do. I am a notary public for the state of Alabama. You are too? Washington, though, of course. See, look at you. You got to give me some tips. Uh, you know, I'm, still, I'm still new to it. We both still new. I've only been in the same for like a year. So, hey, we, okay. we, see, we new to it. Um, I'm also a loan signing agent. So, I did both. I did notary and I did loan signing agent um, training and got my certification. Oh, shoot. What else? Um, what else can I do? Oh, I uh, took a class and got my certification in real estate investing. So that is another thing that I could do that most people don't know. So, yeah, that's the bulk of my education. Does so there's a lot of things up here, which is why I went and got, where are they? They're over there somewhere. But I went and got my planners today because work for me has been absolutely miserable. It is impeding on my mental health and I'm ready to quit. You know, a lot of people have been saying this recently. I've been, you know, I've been paying attention. I'm serious. I'm ready to quit. Like I told one of my good friends, I was like, why am I taking a chance and clocking in for somebody else? when I should be doing it for myself. I got all these things that I know how to do, mind you. And I forgot to mention, before I started this corporate job, I worked in education for four and a half years with special needs children. And I absolutely loved it. I mean, but, you know, COVID happened, life happened. My mom got sick. I stepped down. Um, And I took this because it gives me the freedom to work from home, be there for my child, be there if my mom needs me. But why? Why did I do it? I mean, I did it for my child. I did it for my mom. But I didn't do it for Kim. And Kim is basically, and that that is also my government first name is Kimberly. But I didn't do anything for me. I solely did it to look out for everybody else. And I'm not happy. And if I'm not happy, and if I'm empty, or if I'm disturbed from this job, I can't be of service to anybody else. 
this job is taking up so much of my time and so much of my mental space with they shenanigans that I can't even focus on what I need to be doing, which is working for myself. And I'm ready to break out of that. Like I'm at this point, I'm ready to unhook this whole setup and put it in the mail and send me my last check because I'm good. Like that's that's honestly where I'm at with it. Like no. Mm-mm. I can't. Okay. I'd rather be a stripper. <laughs> hey. I'd rather be a stripper. And and that's something we definitely can touch on in the future because I've seen that's a change in culture. I knew when this pandemic was hitting, I'm in HR um, at this moment in life. And when this pandemic, I started my job on my current position a week before the pandemic, like, and stuff flipped. And the seeing this process going, I was like, I, I was, I've been saying, haven't stopped saying, things are changing. Things are not going back to normal, everyone. Everybody thinks, well, we can't wait till we go back to normal. No, y'all better start adjusting to life of what things are going to look like now. Um, and this this could be bad for some. It could be great for others. But, you know, you can make it what you want to make it. So these are opportunities yeah. you can take, a, you know, take hold, put in the headlock and run with it, you know. So that's what I'm looking forward to. But, yeah. In all honesty, it'll either make you or break you. It's going to really show you who can adjust and who can only conform to certain things. Like if you're only used to one way and you refuse to change or break out of that, then you're going to be stuck. It's not going to work well for you. But if you're willing to change and grow into something else, or like I said, go back to seeing that full potential, not just those cards that are laid in front of you, progressing past that, because we're adjusting into a new normal. Because I don't feel, normal is a very fluid statement. I feel like normal can go in so many different ways. That's just like, well, what is your definition of different? Or what is your definition of original? That can go a lot of different ways. For someone someone that haven't listened to the show before, you're saying a lot of things I've said on the show often. You feel me? You know. And like that's what I tell my daughter. She was like, "Mama, do you, you know?" Like she was going through the, you know, the phase of emotions, developing her own style, you know, emotions, attitude. You know, she's coming into her own, and you know, she'll ask me about like certain things, like, "Well, does this look crazy, or does this look good? Do you think it looks good?" Mm. Who really cares about what somebody else thinks? Opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. Hey, but when somebody fart, everybody smell it. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm not dealing with you. I'm not arguing with you about it, but hey. I, I, but you, I, I mean, you have a point. I, I, have to, I have the same logic, but more and more I do this show, more and more I'm looking at like, People are persuaded by certain things, even myself. Yeah. Um, these are coming, but you know, we're all guilty of it. Yeah, we're all yeah, we all guilty of it in one way or another, you know. And we just got to recognize those differences in total. Um, and how do we adjust? So, but mm-hmm. once again, we ain't getting into that right now. 
we're coming back okay. to you because this is the okay. makings of you with everything culture and i guess okay i'll give you another i'll give you another toxic trait of mine deflection deflection oh i'm good at catching yeah. those too and batting it right back i you mm-hmm. know that's a talent of mine you know it's a skill <laughs> but what we're going to do here we're going to our next question so what were and what are your beliefs you touched on it a little bit earlier within our conversation but can you elaborate a little bit more if you choose to do so um my belief system do i believe in god wholeheartedly um and not just because somebody told me to or not just because oh i was brought up in the church and oh you have to sing in the choir and be on the usher board all it is no i go off of what i feel and i feel like even especially now in the times that we're living in now people need something to believe in and i'm not that person to tell people what to believe in um whomever or whatever you choose to believe in or pray to or worship with or whatever it's totally and completely up to you i don't try to influence people's spiritual journey because i don't want anybody trying to influence mine um but yes do i believe in god wholeheartedly but do i believe in just quote unquote organized religion this is the way it has to be because the bible said so and etc and etc every book has typographical errors and yes it may say one thing but and there's always a but how people perceive it and explain it and break it down are two totally different things. I grew up in a church that had a pastor that would not touch on things that he was doing. Because I'm gonna take you, I'm, I'm gonna take you back, and I know this from your live this morning and you know your spiritual journey. The Bible simply tells you it cuts like a double-headed sword, right? So in order for him to keep from getting cut, he wouldn't touch on those things that he was doing that was contrary to what that so-called book said. But my thing is, if you're going to lead someone, you have to be raw and uncut. You have to accept your demons. You have to open up because the the fact that you're keeping that from his people deems you unfit. And as old people would say, that blood is on your hand. So I grew up having to decipher and read and learn and understand for myself because man could tell you anything. You got to do your own research. And that was, I I guess that was kind of like the turning point of my spiritual journey. It's like, okay, Kim, you can sit in church. You can hear somebody teach you the word. But can you go and read it and understand it for yourself? You got to open that thing up cover to cover and understand it for yourself. That's just like our history. They're erasing our history daily. If we don't educate ourselves, 
on the things that we've been through and the things that have happened to us, then we'll never know. Our kids will never know. They're erasing it daily. I was talking to my daughter and I was telling her about like ancestors and she was like, I have ancestors. Hell yeah. Of course you do. And then she began to tell me about, you know, stories that she heard and things that she had read. And I said, and my daughter's name is Kalia. I said, Kalia, when you hear someone speak upon a specific topic, that is your prompt to go and do your research. Because that person's perception of the story or that person's version of the story may not match with what really happened. It may lead you to things that you didn't know that you now need to know. Same thing with religion. If you don't dig deep and do your research, you're going to keep leaning on what grandmama told you when she was sitting on the morning bench, what the deacon said in Sunday school, what the preacher preached about that morning. No, baby, you got to go look and read for yourself. I've only told a select few people about this, but. Coming into my adulthood, I'll say from the age of 16 up until now, I had every single reason to distrust, unlearn, and turn my back on what I knew to be religious, all because of men. And I'm not talking about men that I dated. No, I'm talking about men that were supposed to be leaders, that were supposed to be shepherds of the flock, but they were living contrary to what that book said. They were living contrary to what they were teaching. Because everybody that preach heaven ain't going. So I don't care how much you talk about it. What are you doing? It simply says, woe unto the one that causes my sheep to do what? Scatter. So guess what? If you causing people to separate, if you causing conflict, then guess what? That's on you. I've had preachers. I use one for example. This man told me he had been watching me ever since I was 16 years old. And he didn't tell me this until I was an adult. So you watched me from a child. This is a family friend. These are things that I don't I don't touch on. Nobody knows for real. Only a handful of people know. I mean, more will know now. Like you don't, you don't have to cut this part out. I promise you. I wasn't. Because, <laughs> like, I mean, I didn't, I didn't want you to. No, no, I. When I got, when I said I would do this, I meant I was going to do it because just like I told you in my life, in your life, I'm sorry, that I was ready to tell the whole story. Not bits and pieces. And we're here for it. Once again, this is your story. Right. And one thing you said in your live this morning, you was like, nobody can tell your story like you. Nobody can tell you what you experienced going through your story. And nobody can. And I don't care who or what tries to deny. I know what happened. And he is one of many. And these are people that are close in my family. They're close to my family, which goes back to those 
family secrets. So yes, I could have turned my back on religion a long time ago. But like I said, my beliefs and what I feel as far as God is concerned, can't nobody alter that. Because I've took the time to dig within that Bible myself. I know what it says. I'm not responsible for what they do. I'm responsible for how I act or react to what they do. Can we get an amen? Okay. Go ahead, go ahead, Renee. Get it off your chest then. Do your thing. But hey, but for real, this, this is greatly... Ooh, when I tell you, I've talked to some other hosts from some from gospel shows, and uh, I, and I want to have a show in the future. I don't know if it's going to fit in season four, and it's going to be a touchy topic. And we got to talk about topics such as this is you know the church, you know um, religion. I've had monks come on the show. I've had a pastor come on the show, um, but I want to make you know we're a little bit more refined now. And talking about, you know, the, what's the difference between gospel and Christian music? Why is the difference? You know, why is it separated like that? Um, why do why is the difference in certain church? I, I took a world religion class when I was in college and I remember being in that class. And one of the main things the professor said, like on the first or second day, is that anybody that's here is Christian. Do not judge other people for their other beliefs and religion. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's only two other Christians in here, and I'm the only, I'm, and I'm one of them. And you just ostracized me like I was going to be, you know, <laughs> like I'm going to be discri- discriminating against someone. I'm really trying to understand and learn, but going through these things in life, you know, positive and negative experiences, you know, you know, the stressors we have. I see. I've seen everything you say, saying, seeing yourself. Um, and I, and sometimes, you know, I, I know it's a battle between people that's why i don't put people on pedestals but once mm-hmm. look at me look at me oh you get me into talking we we oh, hey, this oh. is we'll talk about this later okay, this yes, sir. we got questions we got things we go touch on we got we gonna be back oh. to this. we'll be back to this so give me three words that describe your community a hot mess on this plane <laughs> <laughs> don't pay me no mind um, when you say community, what elaborate? Tell me what you say. That's an open ended question. What do you consider your community? Oh, community? Honestly, I feel like it's me and my daughter. Mm. It's me you, and my daughter. How would you describe you and your daughter then? Oh, that's my that's my bestie. Like that's my little partner in crime. That's my little broke best friend. Now, yes, she run my pressure up. But I kill a brick and put a rock in the hospital behind her. Like, yeah, that's my girl. Now, granted, I do have a few people that I am close to, um, which is something that I don't normally do. And I feel like the closeness and the community that we created and the relationships that we have um, were on purpose. They were supposed to happen. Um like I have one cousin, one cousin that I'm extremely close to. Her and I both are Leos. She's she's a July Leo. I'm an August Leo. Um, actually, we're both double Leos. I mean, if you're into the big three and the big six, yeah, we're both double Leos. Oh yeah, 
we're both double Leos. We both are equally crazy, but we understand each other. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. But no, we, we, we get each other. And we're actually pro- it's probably as different as day and night. But that's how we understand each other. Mm-hmm. That's, it, it just clicked. I don't know how to describe it. It just clicked. And then I have another, you know, little small community of people that we met on weird circumstances, but it just clicked. It just, it happened and we check on each other. We make sure each other's kids are good. We make sure we're good. Um, They tell me I'm the mom of the group because I do the fussing and the check-in and the don't fuss at my baby because I've adopted all of their children because I refuse to breed again, but that's another story for another time. Um, <laughs> so all of them are my babies. You know, I make sure, I make sure everybody's good. Like I told you, I make sure everybody around me is good. Do I do that to myself? No. But one of the, no. Three of them are in Texas, actually. One in San Antonio, one in Austin, one in Dallas. Um, one of my good friends, she's in um, Baltimore, and one is in Georgia. And then me. Okay. You got your collective. Okay. Yeah. They're my babies. So, what's your three words for them? Oh, now they really are a hot mess. Okay. And once they hit me, they probably going to kill me. But no, they're hot mess in a good way. Okay, okay, okay. We rocking with it. Who has been the biggest influence in your life? My daddy. That's easy. That's easy. I told you that's my that's that was my person. Love it, love it. If you could recommend a book, a movie, and a television series, what would you recommend? Give me one of each, please. Ooh. Mm, book. Wow. And I've read quite a few books. I would have to say my go-to would be The Coldest Winter Ever and Midnight, which is all part of the same series. I know. I know. I know, but those, yeah. I heard those the sequel was getting like that, though. Huh? I heard the sequels wasn't hidden like that, though. I, the Coldest Winter Ever and Midnight were the two that hit the strongest for me. The other one, mm, not really so much. But those two, those were my two. Okay. Um, and then I have a, a special like correlation between those books and a certain person that, that's kind of in my life. But nevertheless, moving on. Um, a movie and a TV show. I don't watch a lot of TV. Oh. I would have to say TV show. Criminal Minds. Reason being, I have this thing about forensics for one. And number two, a lot of people don't realize that those stories and cases were actually real. Mm-hmm. 
Now, some parts of it are exaggerated, of course, but the stories are true. And a lot of people don't realize that. Um, if you don't really know the show or watch it or anything like that, you wouldn't understand. But um, that would be the TV show that I would have to take. A movie? I'm more of a comedy type of person, so I'm not like real deep into movies. I'm weird, so my favorite movie is Transformers. Don't judge me. Hey, that's a deep movie, though. A lot of people I love Transformers. I love it because when um, what's called got killed, I cried. I was like, that was his brother. That's the whole Cain and Abel moment. And he just killed him like that. I was broken hearted. Mm-hmm. Don't give me my feelings about no movie. We're not about to see but, uh, That's the point about a lot of people don't know about Transformers. It got a lot of stuff to do with the Bible. That's the thing. Uh, yes, very much so. The whole scene in Egypt. Okay, come on now. Y'all better pay attention. You about to make me pause this. And we got to talking, you know, sisters. <laughs> You know, I'm like, I, that's the main thing. I like when when they were, yeah, I like, wait a minute, they 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 touching on some stuff people may not understand. Uh, they really hit they it. Like when they were um when they were trying to get to the drop zone, the three wise men, the the monument hitting inside the mouth. Come on, see, you know what? And that, that okay. whole the whole point about the all spark that is the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the once again, we we we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Come back to it. Okay, okay. If you could call three people, no matter who they are, if they with us or they're not, who would those three people be? Shit, Drake. You, you just, you want me to cry, don't you? Yeah, sometimes I'm. You know, that's why I ask. Sometimes have you listened to the makings of you? Sometimes people need mm-hmm. some tissue. Sometimes, but this is okay. real. This is what we. I'm a G about mine. I'm not gonna cry. Okay. You almost made me cry this morning. How many more tears do you want, sir, in your life this morning? But do I make you smile, too, though? Yeah, guilty, guilty. All right. Um, if there were three people that I could talk to, um, I'll start with, I guess, someone that's here with us. Mm, I would say one of my brothers because I don't know, like, and and this is one of my adopted brothers, but after his divorce, I don't know, he's he he just hasn't been the same. Yeah. He he's not himself anymore. He, you know, he goes through his moments and like he disappears. And it's like, I respect his boundaries and his space. Like, all I ask is, you know, just let me know you're okay. I mean, he is a cop, so, you know, his dang- his job is a little on the dangerous side at times. So, like I tell him, just, just let me know you're good. That's it. I, I don't want to pry. You don't have to open up if you don't want to, if you're not ready. But just let me know you're okay. And it's been a little while since we have talked. Um. But I know he he's going through his moment. And, you know, the last time we left off, I mean, and it may sound weird, even though we're in the same city, but still. Um, the last time we talked, you know, he was deep into his spiritual journey and, and healing. 
and I think about him quite often. Just want to know you're okay. But like I said, I don't want to cry and, you know, make him just completely shut down because he feels like he's forced to express himself or let me know what's going on because he he feels obligated because I'm his sister. I don't want to put him in that predicament. So, you know, I just kind of stand back and I, you know, I try to let him know I'm here with already. So I feel like he's the one that's probably going through the most that I would try to reach out to right now that is still here with us. (sighs) But, um, shit, the two, the other two that I would probably want to talk to or reach out to would definitely be my dad. Um, like I said, he died when I was 27. I'm 34. So it's been a while. But um, there are times where I will like go to the cemetery and I would just sit there. And I know probably people be like, what the hell? Why is somebody sitting in the middle of the cemetery? Just because. <laughs> just to feel closer or to feel something. It's like you, you know, you want to feel something. Like you know that you know they're watching over you, what have you. But just let me know that you're here. Um, shit. <laughs> next would um, next would be my boyfriend or you know, ex or however you want to look at it. Um, the last relationship that I was in. Um. It's coming up on a year that he's been gone. And I wasn't ready then, and I'm not over it now. And it's hard, and it sucks. But if I could talk to him, like, I would, I would want to apologize. Because, and I would be apologizing for something that, I couldn't control, but but I would apologize because I couldn't be there. Um, When he passed away, it wasn't expected. Um, He he had heart issues um, when I met him. He discovered his heart issues. Um, He was 41, you know, when we were together, but he discovered his heart issues like in his mid 30s. And, you know, as a nurse and medical professional or what have you, you beat yourself up because you think you catch those signs. And, you know, right before, I say probably like a month before he passed away, like, you know, he started having issues with fluid retention when you have heart problems, fluid retention is one of those things that you deal with, but you're not technically supposed to. It's one of those things that you're retaining fluid to get it checked. And I kept telling him, I was like, go to the doctor, go, you know, be a walk-in, whatever. And he would always say, going. Typical male fashion, no offense to you and any, but men are probably one of the hardest creatures 
to get to go to the doctor. We we had a whole episode about this, so yeah, you're fine. And he was one of those stubborn ones that I'm going, I'm going. And he got to the point where he would sleep a lot. And I'm like, you know, Christian, you need to go to the doctor. I'm going, I'm going. So he was at work and he was playing around with his coworkers. And he has a, he had a defibrillator. So, you know, he had some parameters in place just in case if anything did happen. Playing around with his coworkers, he worked at a you know warehouse and he started his heart started being shot for no reason. Um they rushed him to the hospital. I was on the phone with him when this happened. And I to hear a grown man scream in pain. If you've never experienced it, I don't wish it on anybody, especially when they're out of reach and there's nothing you can do to get to them. And, you know, they got him to the hospital and from there, you know, I talked to him and everything. He was like, I'm okay. Of course. Reassuring. I'm okay. I'm okay. I hope they let me go home. I was like, no, you're where you need to be. I was like, if this is what it takes to get you to the doctor, you're going to stay. And they wound up keeping him and they, you know, it was a Friday and they wanted to do a procedure that Monday to make sure that there were no blockages or anything like that that caused this to happen. Friday, he was fine. Saturday, he was fine. Sunday afternoon, he was fine. I talked to him that Sunday afternoon and his brother, his brother got there to the hospital and he was like, I'll call you back. Okay. That was the last time I talked to him. And I couldn't be there because when I called back and his brother answered the phone, I knew something wasn't right. And he was like, he's not doing good. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? I just talked to him. He threw a clot from his heart to his brain. And he never woke up. And it broke my heart that his three children had to make that decision. So if I could talk to him, it would be to apologize because I don't know, like I feel a sense of guilt because I couldn't be there or I missed the signs or or there's something I could do. And I'll tell you right now, you know, that, that guilt that you said that you've been hard on yourself, you don't need that. Okay. You know, you did everything you could do. Um, as a, a person that loved them, you feel me? As a loved one. And things happen, you know. When it's time for us to go, it's time for us to go. You don't have any decision on that. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, I, I I mean, just, just my biggest thing is, I know the feeling is you didn't get a chance to say goodbye, you know, or... 
that's what I'm assuming what it is. It's don't don't feel blame. You did, once again, you do what you can do to do for someone. You talk to them, you checked on them. You know, you try to tell them take care of yourself. Um, he sounded like how I was when I had I had an ablation. Um, you know, I have some tachycardia. I have a heart, you know, a regular heart beating things. And you know, until I had to go in, I, and that's why I think I was at work when I had to go in for my situation, and I was. I would. I took it. I didn't take it serious until I saw my wife and how she was worried. And like, we just got married, and she was like, "You ain't leaving me like right here," you know. And, and that's how that's how I felt with him. I was like, and you know, growing up traditional Southern Baptist, you don't question God. Mm-hmm. Well, why can't I? Why can't I ask those questions? And it's like, go ahead. No, no, this is, I'm listening to you. And it's like, you know, even almost a year in, trying to make sense of why. Like, and don't get me wrong, I grew up around death. I mean, I have a cousin that owns a funeral. So I get it. And I believe wholeheartedly when it's your time, it is 100% your time. And there's nothing that you can do to change that but it's like the connection and the bond and the trust that we had between each other that shit is unmatched and when I mean unmatched I mean like my daughter's father we were together for three and a half years and we didn't have that bond and it's like, why did you give them to me? Just to take them away. It's a reason. I can tell you right now, it's a reason. You know, and you, like you got to continue having that conversation with him, though. You, you, and it's like, when you were talking this morning, and you were talking about your mom, and the episode that you wanted to do and it's like I don't know who I don't know which one I don't know if it's my dad I don't know if it's him but it's like I've been seeing all of these signs that like somebody is trying to get in touch with me and it's like just show me like I'm ready if you think I'm going to be afraid I'm not And I mean, I don't get it. And it's like, it's just random things. Like, even things around the house that'll be moved or out of place. Like, I was doing laundry this morning. I was the only one awake in the house. I walked through, because, like, in the house, you have to walk through the kitchen to get to the laundry room. I had made at least two trips. I came back through the last time, and the refrigerator was open. And it's like, I didn't think of anything else other than who's trying to contact me? Who's trying to talk to me? Who's trying to show me something? And those two people, my dad and Christian, are the two people that I have the strongest connection with right now. And it's like, if you want to reveal yourself to me, just do it. 
that's what I want. I want to be able to at least see them or talk to them or feel something. And it's so hard when you want to and nothing. Like, you, you can't. And, and, you know, you're still grieving, you know. You're still grieving, and this is normal. Um, you know, something. You know, I'm gonna talk to you, and I southern. You know, you know how we know. I don't play with spirits. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, at all. And my family know me about this. You know, because we've had conversations about stuff, and I have to look through. I. Just like how I speak to God, I go through Jesus for all that. So if I need to talk to a family member, I'm going to have to call to Jesus to make that call first and foremost. You know, I know it's it's not going to be that direct because there's no reason for you to still be here. And I don't want you to be here, you know. Um, but one thing, what I'm, one thing I can do is just share my love and tell you how I felt about you, you know. And as I was sharing earlier on my, um, the live what I spoke about, you know, when I talk to people, like I see, I didn't, I didn't miss three, four phone calls, but they understand what I'm doing here. Um, I'm gonna call them just to say, hey, you good? You all right? Yeah. All right, you know, I love you. All right, talk to you later. That's one thing I can do. Love you. I appreciate you. How you doing? You looking good? You feeling good? You know, you know how you, it, it, because you never know. You don't. Because it is. And I want people to treat me the same way. And I'm big on do not give me my roses when I'm gone. Yep. Give them to me now. Like, so I can say thank you and return that favor. That That's what I look at is love. So what you're doing right here, keep that, that, that energy, that feeling, you know, build that connection. But the things you feel like you couldn't do with, with Chris, if I'm not, and, and with your father, do it with the people you have now. Continue to love on your daughter. Continue to call your friends. Call your brother that you was talking about. You know, reach out to them. Like, hey man, I would. I, I feel like I needed to call you right now because I'm thinking about you. And that's how I am because my grandmother used to always tell us when somebody crosses your mind, check on. Yeah. They're not crossing your mind for no reason. <laughs> If you already know Drake or you already been on Drake's TikTok or his lives or his Sunday Zooms, which will be once a month now. <laughs> Did you know? Now you know. <laughs> you know whose voice this is. It's Shan from She Gets It Pod. So while you're listening to Everything Culture with an A, not a die, check out She Gets It pod all right i know i'm the one with the little boo me on there that's me all right new season new season 22 giving y'all encouragement motivation and a real insight in the things that i think about on a daily but i'm saying them out loud to y'all so check me out on she gets a pod on your favorite podcast app and also find me and the rest of my podcast on shambypodden.com. Now, I hope you're enjoying this show with everything culture. Hey, Drake. I'll let you have your mic back now. Bye. You know, it's something. Even if it's just... just Are you still breathing? Yeah, at this point. Because I got something that, you know, I say it's a blessing and a curse. It's like, I have that strong sense of discernment. I know when something's not right. Like, mm-hmm. I... I in this, in, in, 
I have witnesses that would tell you, it's like, man, I tell somebody don't pick up that phone call right now unless you're ready to deal with something. What you talking mm-hmm. about? I'm, I, I've been, you know, I don't know what it is, but it just, but that's how I go. So, but that's life. Like, that's what we have. Like with me, I'm an empath. And that's what oh. I say. So I'm over here trying to hold my head back and things. So I feel what you're going through. I absolutely do. So, but with us and what we have for life, man, it just have to continue. Understand that's what it is. This is the good and the bad, you know, that feeling you have right now. Something will come and will make you feel as happy and as loved as you couldn't even imagine if you allow it. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you allow it. It's funny that you say that. Because you, I got family members that hold on to grief. I can't let that grief go. That grief would take you down if you let it. Sometimes you got to let some things go so you can continue to go up top so you can float. Because you got it. You know, you can get, you got to get your air. Let some of that stuff go. But, and it's funny that you're saying that because my two of my friends, we literally just had this conversation yesterday. And they was like, you've got to open yourself back up. And not saying that I completely shut down after Christian died because I'll be honest, like my ties right now with grief are with him more or less than my dad. Now I would love to at least be able to, like you were saying, if you could make that phone call, would you? Of course. But from the time my dad got sick, my dad got sick when I was in seventh grade. Up until I was 27 years old, my dad fought. My dad had liver uh, cancer twice. My father had a kidney transplant. He had multiple strokes, and I was there every step of the way. So I don't have any regrets when it comes down to my dad. Because like I tell people, when I was a little girl, I used to sleep on my dad's chest. And when my dad died and took his last breath, my head was on his chest. I made peace with my dad dying a long time ago. So my grief more so is with Christian's death than it is my dad. And I know that. And that has caused me to, you know, shut down and be more reclusive than I already am because you go through the motions of, do you want to learn someone? Do you want to trust another individual? And, you know, you're going to have to start taking those Band-Aids off. And accepting those cards and moving on. And it's like, do I really have it in me? I'm very guarded when it comes to me and letting people in. And the same thing that you literally just said verbatim. Both of them told me that yesterday. Both of them told me, you're holding everybody else to his standard and who he was. You can't do that. No. You're closed at all. And it's just like a close with a closed hand, you know, you can't receive. So that's the biggest thing. When you keep hiding yourself, you keep, you know, not only you can give to other people, but people can't give to you either. You know, and that's a part of life. How do you want to, you know, 
you you still have life within you. You know, live it. That's the best. That, live That's it. Horrible. I don't know how it works. I know. I know. You know, if I can, if I could send hugs virtually, I absolutely would. You know, so I absolutely understand what you're coming through. So, man, but then seriously, thank you for sharing. You know, this is, you know, this is an intimate show. You know, we ask a lot of questions that are personal. We ask questions that are genuine, and we actually want to know, you know, your perspective and your feelings about that. Um, and this is what we do with the makings of you. You know, it, this is you. Yeah, I need it. Uh, thank I, you. I, I, seriously, thank you, thank you. And I got some resources for you. If, you know, you know. Once I, I say this, but you know, and I, you know, it's three things we support here in everything culture, and that is Jesus, therapy and counseling, and edibles. You pick which one is best for you. You know, <laughs> and make it work. I think number three. <laughs> <laughs> what we? Hey, we, we'll hook you up. We'll hook you up. We, all three, if you need it. But hey, one thing we want to go touch on. Um, to touch on our next question is what is your theme song? Nothing you but <laughs> hey if, if that's what we represent uh Renee, that's what we represent Renee, we're going with it. Okay. Okay, That is one of my theme songs. We'll we'll stick with that. We'll lighten the mood with that one. Love it, love it. How do you define joy? Oh joy. I feel ooh, when you're at peace, like genuinely at peace, I feel like joy and bliss, peace, all of those things are kind of lumped together because if you don't have peace or peace of mind, like you can't really have joy or enjoy anything because you're so disturbed like your peace is disturbed so i feel like if you don't have that then there's no joy mm. i feel like joy is like a would be equivalent to a free spirit unapologetic unapologetic uh, i can't talk unapologetic um it's it's an organic feeling it's joy i mean there's when you completely let go any any hindrance, anything like that, all of that is gone. You're at peace with yourself and whatever's going on around you. It's just joy. Like I experienced it for the first time in a long time. About a month back, I took my daughter on a field trip and it was down at the beach. Um, and I got this Airbnb and we were right off the water. and. I'm not a nature person. I'm not an outdoor person. Never have been. But I was born in slavery times. I would be a housekeeper because I couldn't have made it in the field. I would have got whipped every day. But anyway, don't, don't laugh. I, I, I need you to laugh because you look serious right now. But um, I'm not an outdoorsy person. My daughter is. I don't know where she gets that from. But. She loves the beach. So that was part of the reason why I booked this particular condo, like right on the But it had a balcony. And I kid you not, I opened, because like the bedroom that I was in, it opened to the balcony. And I just laid there. And just all I did was listen to the 
that was the most peace and joy I felt in a long time. And I was on um, FaceTime with one of my friends, one, the one that lives in Texas, and she was like, you're glowing. And all I did was simply go and relax. That was it. We didn't do anything spectacular, nothing crazy. But I was just calm. It was a sense of peace. It was joy. I felt relaxed. I slept well. You know, I, I don't really know how to describe it, but I know what it feels like. And that was it. And y'all, this is the makings of Renee with Everything Culture. Um, gee, if y'all listen to us frequently, y'all may have recognized that we have passed a few of the questions because she's answering them before I can get to them. So, yeah, hey, hey, but that's that's that I, I appreciate it no matter what because you know this is a conversation. This is how we get get to know each other. So, definitely, I'm enjoying it. When and you've answered this already on TikTok, actually, but you know, this is part of the making of you. But when did you realize you were different? Um, yeah, that goes back to that video. Um, everything I said in that video was true. I, um, as a child, especially during my adolescent years, I never really met a stranger. That's what everybody told me. Um, and I pretty much remember that for the most part, and even now as an adult. You can put me in pretty much any group of people, and I'm going to find a way to fit. I don't have to force it. It just kind of happens that way. But that's more so forced for me. Like, other people may see it as, oh, you're just, you know, a, what's the word I'm looking for? Some people would, I guess, describe it as a social butterfly. You can fit in anywhere. I have that ability. But do I actually like it? No, absolutely not. Zero out of 10, I do not recommend it. No. I had to train myself to be like that. And I know that sounds really weird. sounds like you're training an animal. But I had to train myself to be like that. Because from the time I was in junior high school up into high school and graduation, I had an attitude out of this work. I was a Leo in rare form. I um, had a chip on my shoulder. Um, Then I liked people. And I made it my business to let people know I don't like, you know. It came off as aggression. And I'm like, well, Kim, you can't, you know, as I got older, you can't go through life like that. You got to change a little bit. Because my motto was, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, this is who I am. I'm not changing for anybody. Now my motto is a little bit different. If I'm going to change, let it be for better. And let it be for me, not for somebody else. Um, but also, you know, being a minor, I didn't understand what I was dealing with either. So that chip on my shoulder and that attitude, I didn't know what that was at the time. You know, now it's popular. Everybody's an introvert. Don't nobody like nobody. Nobody's real these days, blah, blah, blah. It's like, look, you either are or you're not. Don't say it just because you're on social media. True. And then you out every weekend with 
Larry Earl and everybody else. Like, no. The way that I am and what I'm telling you is how I am all the time. And like I said, as a minor, I didn't know what I was dealing with. It wasn't until I got older that I understood who and what I really was. And that comes with growth and learning. And I eventually came to the realization, okay, Kim, you're going to have to deal with people at some point. We, we're going to have to figure out a way to do this effectively. Yeah. And that's where I got to the point where I could pretty much talk to anybody. I could pretty much relate to anybody, but I have to do it selectively. Like my social meter will go down quick. You've only got a limited amount of time with me. After that, I mentally check out. Like I'm there in the physical. You're looking at me, you're talking to me, but my mind is completely gone. She's checked out. She's in a car already. Bless you. I'm one of those people that I'm going to drive myself. No, I don't need you to pick me up. I'm good. Because when Kim is ready to go, Kim headed out. I'm going to holler at y'all. See y'all tomorrow. Hope y'all get home safe. Call me. Let me know you made it. You know, I'm done. And my family used to make me feel like it was such a bad thing to be that way. Mm. Like I've had, you know, and like I said in a video, I've had family members that tell me, you need to be on an island by yourself because you don't want to deal with anybody. That shit sucked as a child to hear that. But now I'm trying to see what the going rates for islands are because <laughs> if I could swing that and grab me one of those, because here is ghetto. Like it's you know I don't want to be part of this. I feel, I feel. I don't, hey, you gonna be part of? I, I I ain't gonna get down. I ain't going down that path with you right now. Hey, I feel you though. I feel you. So this one don't have to be a downer to say, but the question we have here: How do you and your family or your culture recognize death? Um. Sad, but accepted. Like, you go through your typical grieving and your emotions, but also realizing that it's the necessary. Like, it's going to happen. You know, passing away is one of those things that we all have to do at some point. And, you know, it goes back to what you were saying and I was saying earlier it's inevitable. You can't do anything about it when it's your time. It is, in fact, your time. Um, I think it definitely hits different when you don't get a chance to say goodbye um, or come to terms with the fact that this person is leaving or on their way out, lack of a better word. But like I said, I've grown up around it. Um, funeral homes are in my family. Um, fun fact, when I was a child, I used to be deathly afraid of dead people. Now, it absolutely does not bother me at all. Like when my grandmother passed away, me and one of my cousins, we did our hair, we did our nails, the whole nine. Um, so it's sad, but it's accepted. And it's, I was going to touch on that. Well, that question is, you know, feelings, but like, what's the procedures? I think that, that's a new question I have is about that. And I'm trying to figure out what's the procedure. Um, 
Like the uh, the, the wake, the funeral, the oh yeah burial site. Oh yeah. Um, in my family, the the closer part of my family, majority of my mom's family, because my dad was a child. Um, depending on you know how close it was, aunt, uncle, whatever. Um, all the brothers and sisters they show up at the funeral home to help the husband or the wife, you know, go through the process of planning. Um, you know, we all congregate at that person's house. You know, you take the food, of course. You take the toiletries, of course. Um, um, what is it? What you call wake or viewing of the body? Or as one of my cousins would say, interviewing the body. Um, <laughs> mm. um we would do that the day before the funeral, you know, the day of, have the funeral, have repast, of course, we eating again, you know. If all else fails, we're going to eat. We're going to be crying, but we're going to eat. But, um, yeah, but I was always told that the the grieving and the pain doesn't start until after everybody's gone. So, you know, in the midst of and while you're going through those weeks leading up to the funeral and things of that nature, everybody's there. Every, that, that whole community is surrounding you, loving on you, taking care of, you know, needs that you may have. But it's like after the burial and after everything's died down. I think I see that as a disconnect when that person that husband or that wife or that child who's lost somebody, we're kind of no longer there. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It's like that gap. And I know that's the healing process. That's where that person starts to heal from what they've lost. But I see it as a disconnect. Like a good friend of mine, he lost his mom not too long ago. And even after the fact, after everybody was gone and after everybody stopped coming to the house, he was there by himself. That's when I started to reach out more. Because it's like now you're alone and everything's set in. Are you okay? And I feel like in our culture, I feel like that's a disconnect. I feel like we should draw closer to that person as opposed to what we've got them through. What we see is the hard part. You know, they good now. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't think that they're good. I love that perspective, and I have one of my. You know, I call her a friend. She's been a guest on the show here. She's actually a mortician, you know. And her mother recently passed. Today, she buried her mother. Um, if I was anywhere near, you know, and it's not even making excuses, like. I've been thinking, like, should I send something today? I know, I know she may be getting crowded with a bunch of different people, but everything you're saying is like, I'm gonna keep checking on her because she, she's a strong, she's a strong one, strong will, strong mind, but nobody's that strong, in my opinion. I'm gonna tell you, I was, and I still am. Um, I was always perceived as the strong. Yeah. When my dad died, when my grandmother died, when my mom got sick, I was always perceived as the strong one. And granted, 
I hold it down. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not going to even toot my own horn, but I hold it down for people. But that just comes natural to me. But it wasn't until my mom got sick and we found out she had leukemia. Mm-hmm. And um, she was on the phone with one of my aunts. And it's like when we got the news, it's like I came home. My mom was in UAD, which is in Birmingham, Alabama. And I came home to check on the house, check on the dog, um, grab more clothes because we were basically staying there. And I was on my way back and my sister called me. And like my sister, she's strong in certain areas, but emotionally, She's not there like I am. Yeah. Um, and so things hurt her a lot more than they do me. For me, it's, it's a defense mechanism. Like as soon as something bad happens or something tragic happens, my mind automatically goes into autopilot. It's like, okay, well, what do we need to do? Next? Yeah. What can we do to, to fix this? Or what's our next steps? Or what are our options? I go, I don't know why, it's just, that's the way I am, but eventually you get tired of being that strong go-to person. It gets old. It gets tiresome. And it's like, when is somebody going to realize that I'm tired? When is somebody going to realize that I don't want to be the strong one anymore? And when I got that call and my sister told me, she was like, yeah, mama got leukemia. And I said, okay. I said, what are her options? What type is it? At this point, I'm a nurse again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because my brain automatically, that, that switch was flipped. And it's like, okay, what do we do next? What are her treatment options? You know, what type are we dealing with? Are we dealing with um, how fast is this, you know, maturing? And I guess everybody was kind of taking them back. I guess they were like, well, damn, she problem solving and we hurt. And I remember hearing my mom on the phone when she actually was able to come home and she was talking to one of my aunts. And she was like, Kim is a lot stronger than Keisha is. And I remember my aunt saying, she shouldn't have to be. And that's when it became real for me. Because at that point, it was like somebody noticed. Yeah. Oh. And, and, and that that right there is a lot of people deal with that, you know. And how do you go by it? But you, uh, but you know, if you're not there, what would happen? <laughs> that's the scare. That's the thing. And, that's the that's that what if? Like, yeah. what if I'm not here, or what if I'm not available, or what if I emotionally check out? Yeah. That's just like with my dad. Out of all the years of training and schooling that I had. I had never had to do CPR on anybody. Out of all the years I was trained and certified, I never had to do CPR on anybody. My dad stopped breathing in my arm 
I did CPR on my dad in the living room. Mm. Never thought that that would be the one person that I would have to utilize my skills on. But I'm glad that I could because that gave us 31 more days with him. But let me tell you something. More and more you're talking throughout this time that since we started um, conversing with one another, you steady showed you went through something and you used it. You went through something, you used it. You 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 built yourself, you used it. And just like what you you're figuring out what you what, why did you have to go through um your life experience with Chris? Trust me, in the future you will use it. Okay. So this uh, I'm seeing a pattern, you know, that and that this is the makings of Renee. Feel me? I'm telling you, this is how life goes. Um, to like the hot mess that is Renee. That's what we oh, nah, you you're a beautiful mess. Let's but let's get into it. So, who do you trust? Oh, nobody. <laughs> Easy. Okay, okay. I'm 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 being honest. Like I don't trust. I don't trust you no further than I can be. I give you just another rope to hang yourself. I understand. I understand. My expectations is even if it doesn't happen, I expect people to betray me. Mm. Even if they don't do it, I still expect it because I feel like if I'm already expecting it, it'll lessen the blow. I don't like to get your hopes up high. Exactly. Okay. 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 Hmm. If you had a biopic, who would play you in your biopic? <laughs> oh. oh my goodness. I don't know. <laughs> who could play me? Is is I don't know. I honestly don't know. Who could actually play me? Who would want to? Sound you got a story, you know what I'm saying? I, I think it it would definitely make it pass. It may make it to the big screen, but definitely it could be on the silver. I would say that. I'd have to play myself. I don't think nobody can pull this off. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> no, I ain't gonna go. Hey, if you if you say it's you, go be you. All right. So if you are wealthy beyond all your means, you can't think enough money to do whatever you want to do in this world. You know, Bob, take care of whoever you want to take care of, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. But you had to do one occupation. You had to do one job. What would that be? It's easy, but I don't know how to put it into words. Honestly, it would be what I'm already doing, but helping, especially children. I have a very soft spot for children, no matter what their past, their situation, 
no matter um their past, their situations, what have you, it would definitely be children or young adults. Um, I still consider them children, you know, 18, 19, you're still finding your way. You don't know what you want to do or who you want to be or whatever. And I guess it would kind of fall in the lines of what maybe social work in a sense because I feel like my experience with working with children that are mentally, both mentally and physically disabled, that gave me a different outlook. Um, I dealt with some really sick children and these children were, you know, basically being taken care of by the state because their parents had signed them over because they didn't have the means or the capability to take care of a child that was, you know, mentally and physically handicapped. I mean, I dealt with children that were self-abusive, very combative towards others, could not do for themselves, seizure-prone, you name it, they had it. But not only them, I would like to work with kids that what some people would consider have be, having behavioral issues or just a bad, you know, they want to label them a bad seed or what have you. I feel like there's some good in each individual and you just have to tap into it. You got to find that common denominator. You got to find how they tick. Yes. And go from there. Because I've come across, I used to work in what they call a BIP unit. And basically, it was a behavioral unit for um, in junior in one of the junior high schools here. Behavioral intervention plans or behavioral intervention program. Then you have IEPs, individual education plans. So, yeah. And that so, term individual is used way too loosely because the structure of an IEP, it needs to just be changed all the way across the board. Uh-huh. It, it, it's so it's so flawed in so many ways. I don't think I mentioned this, but I was also an education surrogate as well. So, so you know all. exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody else may not know, but it's work. Shout out to all my cops and surrogates out there, and the teachers and educators and yeah. people working with the education. Yeah. Because the work you're even saying you're doing is absolutely needed and much. Really, the because, money the money in it is. Boo boo. Yeah. I had my first day in a and then the thing about it is, um when I worked went to work that first day in that BIP unit, like they didn't even tell me that's where I was going. They didn't tell me. Didn't tell me any of that. I guess because they felt like if they told me that I would back out, no, no. I'm not that type of person. Um but and like most BIP units, they have mostly men because, of course, they feel like men, you have aggressive children, you have the muscle and, the, you know, to be able to restrain or anything like that. But sexually active, I got in there. Those things. Exactly. Yeah. I got yeah. in there and it was myself. It was another woman and it was uh, another guy. He, um, he was kind of in and out. He had other jobs within the school as well. And that's another thing. 
separating educators two things. You got them doing this. You got them doing this. They need to be allocated to one spot. You're not paying them to do all these extra jobs, but yet you're expecting them to do all these extra jobs. And I was sitting at my desk. And this one young man, they came in. And of course, I'm a new face. I'm a woman. You know how that goes. And it was a group of boys that came in. They came in, they sat down, they talking, you know, going back and forth, having their own little personal exchange mm-hmm. between them. And one of the young men made a comment. And I was like, hey, I was like, we're not going to do that. I was like, you've got yourself to respect and you've got other people in the room that you need to respect. Mm-hmm. And he said, I told him, he said, I'll come over there and whoop your ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I looked at him and I laughed. And I know this child probably thought I was crazy because the laugh that I had and the look on my face, and he was like, he kind of looked like, did she really just laugh at me? I did. And with a straight face, I told him, I said, if you come past these desks, you're not going to go back the same. And he was like, you can't talk to me like that. You want that? But the thing is, after that, I had no other issues. And one of the reasons being is because he had challenged and put fear into everybody else for me. And he kind of looked at me like, she showed no emotion. She showed no reaction. Now, granted, would I have done anything to him or put my hands on him? No. That's where we differ. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why. One, I knew I didn't have to. He was all talk. You sitting around your homeboys. You want to seem tough. And I can read you like a book. And you're across the room, son. Like, I know what you'll do and what you won't do. And you have some that will do it. Now, granted, we took restraint training. So I know what to do if need be. But with him, I knew he wasn't going to do anything. I told and then I had, When I was getting my CPS training, I remember they saying all the restraint training we went through. And, you know, and they were saying, yeah, this one older black guy, you know, he had a black eye. His kid jumped on him. He, but he kept his strength together. He did the right thing. And we're so proud of him. I, I was like clean cut. I was like the, the the teacher's pet, but I told them then and there, I said that would be the day I lose my job. If oh, yeah. they run up yeah. I am going to lay them out. I like and oh, I'm yeah. like I mean and I like I'm going to defend myself and once I know he's you know, and it's not gonna take long. That's why I say it's not gonna take long, but oh, I'm yeah. not gonna let no kid nobody put their hands on me and harm me and I'm not that's not going to happen. I'll just let y'all know. Y'all can take my information right now. Y'all can let me go. I know y'all need me. But I, I, you know, I would let you know now. Do y'all still want to keep me here? <laughs> like, but I kid you not, though. In my four and a half years, I've had some instances like that. But that particular young man, he, he wasn't a threat. Usually they end up loving you. You know, ones they try to. Oh, yeah. I used to say most of them kids they should need a hug and some love and some, you know, some, you know, some attention. But nah, we I don't. See some of them. But, I nah. see some of them now in Walmart. I've had kids run up behind me. You know, you run up behind you and grab somebody. 
Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, who little bitty arms are these? Or whose child is this? And I turn around and it's one of my kids. And it's like, you were one of my worst ones. Why are you hugging me? <laughs> like, and, and But it's like a sense of, you're gratified because you know you touched that particular child in yeah. some way. Um, and I kid you not, my older ones were a lot easier than my baby. I dealt with a second grader, straight, that tried to stab his classmate. I had to damn near hog tie this child. And then push the intercom button for them to come and get him. People don't because if I had to let him go, people don't get it, man. I, it's wild. I take my hats off to anybody in education, in group homes, anything. But even with all of that and all of the things that I've seen and the experiences, I still will work with and love on every single one of them. I love it. I love it. Okay. I, that's why I tell people, like, just bring me, I'm, I'm the neighborhood auntie. Bring me all the babies. All I ask is that you don't forget where you left them. You you got to come back. back and get Just come back. I feel oh, it. Not a permanent thing. But just bring bring me all the babies. Because I'm going to stick up for them regardless. Love that's it. a soft spot for me. Renee, that's what we appreciate about you here. So, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. Oh, thank you. Welcome back, everyone, to the makings of Renee with Everything Culture. So, back to it. So, when other than the past 60 minutes or, you know, 120 minutes, when was the last time you cried? I don't. And yes, I know that is bad. I just saw you cry. I know. And I'm still not. I'm still not okay with that. I'm going to beat myself up about it later. But that's something that I don't do. Um, I eat a lot of my emotions. They're delicious, ain't they? I know, right? right. <laughs> but, but when you get full and that levy break, it's I, over. I know. That's I hate the, that. You got to work on the finding self. You know, you got to find other exactly. ways. You know, exactly. to replace that. But hey, this is what we do. That's what we do. Okay. If you would, you rather go back in time and talk to your younger self, or or your future self to come back in time and talk to you now. My future self. And the reason why I say that is because I think more about what's to come and I avoid what has already happened. Mm. So I think that's why I think my future self. But, and also I feel like my past self made me me. And despite 
the hot mess that I am and despite the things that I've been through, I'm a hell of a woman. Amen. And I know I don't give myself as much credit as I deserve, but I acknowledge the fact that some of the things that I've been through would have broken other people. Wow. And I'm still able to stand on it. So I wouldn't change her because she made me who I am now. Now, what's to come? That's that's different. Because in my mind, the wheels are always turning. I'm always overanalyzing, overthinking. What's going to happen next? What do I need to do to make this happen? This is going to happen, but how can I prevent it? You know, I'm always ahead. The wheels are turning faster than I can process, so I would rather be future me than past. Okay. How do you relax? Ooh. I've yet to figure that one out. You got to do something. To just fully... Oh, yes. I, like I told you, it's been kicking my ass. I am in shambles. It has hands and it is throwing them and sneaking me on a regular basis. Like this, this journey is not easy. This whole, you know, what some people call shadow work and self-discovery and, and healing trauma. And I, this is not for the weak. Because when I tell you. There have been a few times where I've been like, the hell with it. But I know that if I don't keep going and heal me, I'm going to repeat that pattern with my daughter. And that's what I don't want. I do not want that for her at all. That's why I'm so protective of her and I'm so guarded. And, you know, her dad, he's like, well... Can't be like that all the time, and you go, sir. You part of it. Like, what you mean? Hush. Did anybody ask you? Like, you do not get to offer any suggestions because part of this monster you created, and I'm not talking about her. I'm talking about the monster within me. Well, we gonna figure. We gonna try to figure out. You know, get you to cry more and relax more. We gonna figure these. I things don't want me to cry more, and then you ain't even seen the ugly cry yet. That was. Yeah, I was trying to keep it cute. It's good for you. Okay. Go on to our next question. We, as a matter of fact, you knocking them down. We got five more. We got five more. Doing a great what? job. Doing a great job. So, oh, man, this is just the beginning of it. What is a quote that you live by? Get rich and die trying. <laughs> <laughs> I got to throw a joke in there. I, gotta I know. But it could be the real oh. if that's what it is. Shit, I don't know. I have so many. I have so many. Dang it. Mm, we gotta we gotta come back to that. Okay, we'll come back to it. All right, my favorite question. Mm-hmm. This is your last meal. This is your coupe de gras. You know, this is your, you can have whatever you want, as big as you can, your, you know, your, as big as your imagination can be. Whoever can cook it for you, 
whatever you've had, whatever you never had before, what would be your meal and who would prepare for you? Um, it would definitely be seafood or either chicken. Something in that protein area because those are my two favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, who would cook it? Mm-hmm. I'd probably say my mama. Mm-hmm. Love it. Because, I mean, even though that lady get on my life, <laughs> she can throw down in the kitchen. I can't lie. We've been in the kitchen. There's a lot of things that my mom makes that I will only eat from her. Like, I won't eat it from anybody else because it's just not the same. And then, plus, you know, other people be mad. So I, my grandma said, You don't eat at everybody's house. I was about to say, you know, it's not what your grandma say. Y'all pretty clean, so we appreciate that. Okay, okay. What is your favorite holiday? Don't have one. Okay, don't have one. Hey, and that's fine. That's a okay. That's okay. All right. I mean, they're just days of the week, honestly. Love it, love it. Hey, once again, this is the makings of Renee. I can't share all my perspective on everything, you know, so, but we here. Yeah, you got two more. You got two more. All right. I feel like I'm going too fast. No, we said, well, you actually got three because we still got to, you, you still still be thinking about that quote in the back of your head, too. So, yeah. let's see, let's see. How would you want people to remember you? I would want people to remember me. Honestly, I would just want to be remembered. Um, mm. But if I had to pick, and it's going to sound corny, but I would want to be remembered as a comeback. Mm. Reason being, my shake, my shake back game is impeccable. And you know, when I sit and think about all of the things that I've been through and overcame, shook back from, and I have to remind myself, like, girl, you done been through it. And you still came back from it. That's why I tell people, you can come back from things. As long as you're above ground and not beneath, you got another chance. So I think that would be one of the things that I would want to be remembered for. The fact that I was able to come back and overcome whatever was really thrown at me. That and being a good mama. Because, you know, I'm killing you. I'm just playing. I'm lying. I'm still trying to figure this uh, parenting thing out. Some days I feel like I'm doing it right. Some days I feel like, oh, the child don't stand a chance. Every day is a school day. Just got to keep one step after another. Okay. Did you figure out your quote? Hmm. I don't even really know if I have that. Hey, we just going to keep it. I'm just going to keep it at Get Rich or Die Trying. We can keep that. 
Yeah, that could that sound genuine. If that what came to you first, we can roll with that. You know, this is your know The thing is, it's not. Even if we were to use that, I wouldn't even want to be rich monetarily. Because in all honesty, if I could be a hundred percent honest with, you know, that's what I've been doing all night. But I don't care about money. Granted, it's nice. It can buy you nice things, but. Being rich has so many other meanings. It's not always monetary. Your blessings are not always material things. Like I tell people, I'll give the shirt off my back. Money means absolutely nothing to me. Because growing up, I had things. I had stuff. And my grandmother used to always tell us, don't ever act like you didn't use to something. <laughs> And, you know, growing up, my parents provided everything that I needed and pretty much everything that I wanted. So I had things. But growing and learning, I realized that things make people go crazy. People fight over things. Homes break up over things. Families separate because of things, material things, money. When somebody dies, what's the first thing that they ask about? What they can do. So if I had to be rich in something, it would not be monetary. It would not be materialistic. Be rich in knowledge, self-worth, selflessness, love, being loved. You know, surrounding yourself with the people that make you happy. Doing the things that make you happy. You don't see any funeral procession with Brinks trucks behind it, with the cars that you own behind it, with the clothes that you own coming behind it. It's just that hurt. And your closest family and friends, the people that you loved and that loved you and cared about you. Those are the things that you would focus on being rich in. It has absolutely nothing to do with money and and material things. Your experiences, who you are as a person, how you treat people, how people treat you. Those are the things that make you rich. That's just like in African culture. A person's wealth is based upon their appearance in certain ways. Like when you're healthy and you're thick or you're you're full figure, however you want to call it, they perceive you to be wealthy because you're eating good. So everybody's perception of wealth and being rich is different. But for me, everything that I just described is my definition of being rich. It has absolutely... I could give a damn about money. As long as I'm comfortable, I'm good. See, I'm going to put get rich or die trying. Then I'm going to put your definition of rich underneath that. So that that we're going to keep it that then. We're going to keep it that. Okay. I love it. Mm-hmm. See? All right. Now we're to your last question. I'm going to need you to not. These are the same questions I ask everybody to come on the show. Yes, sir. That's how we do it. 
how we do it. <laughs> I am thoroughly enjoying myself, though. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad that I did this. Because you got to come back. You got to come back. That's the point. You got to share it to your people. Share it to your people. Then you got to come back for more. So, but the last question we have for you here. You rid of me. <laughs> how, well, what changes you want to see in your culture and what changes are you bringing to it? Hmm. I think that kind of piggybacks on the question you asked me earlier about my culture and how I feel about it. I want to see growth in my culture. I feel like we're stagnant. I feel like it's so much going on in the world against us that we're stagnant and we're stuck. And I think we got to kind of pick each other up pull each other out of this rut that we're in and grow from it. We are a powerful group of people. The culture itself is powerful. Our roots are powerful. And I just want us to grow past that and be so much better than we are. But if I had to pinpoint one specific thing, stop seeking acceptance. That is the part that drives me crazy. Why do we feel like we have to be accepted? We were born to stand out. Everything about us is mimicked in one way or another. Why do we need to be accepted? That's the least of our worries. Our greatest is reaching our full potential. And the part that hits different is the fact that they know our full potential and it frightens them. But we can't see it for ourselves. Mm. So that would be my thing. And what I would bring to it, if I could help in any way to push my people towards that mark, no matter what it is, I'm down. Because a lot of us need help. We need that little pat on the back. We need that little kick. We need that boost to be like, hey, we got this. Like, do you not know who we are? I tell people all the time, if black people don't know how to do nothing else, we know how to survive. You're looking at a group of people who have been through times where we have had absolutely nothing. And we literally made something out of nothing. So if we're capable of doing that, hell, the sky is the limit on everything else we can do. That's a walk in the park. So whatever I can do in my community or with my culture or my people, and I say mine because I take it personal. Like, y'all are my people. Okay, if you like me or not, you still my people. Um. If I can help in any way to get us to that mark, whatever it is, count me in. There y'all have it. There we have it. Y'all, she she made it. She did it. Yay. Okay. (laughs) Hey, y'all. Y'all have just listened to the makings of K. Renee. 
So, you know, this is, I think you, you may have set the record here. So, <laughs> like, but I appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, we, I love it. I love it because you, you, you touched on so much that the intentions of this is to be this, you know, to share you, you know, and I think we've, this has been a very emotional, thought provoking and inspiring conversation you know all in all in telling you know it's been fun through and through as well but it's like some people are going to hear this and they're really going to appreciate it because i knew i i do i do you know i wish it could have been live but this is something that i really actually appreciate people coming on especially sharing their light with us okay um but renee if you're trying to be found where can the people find you Don't find me. <laughs> um, I'm I'm hidden out here in these social media streets. Um, I try to keep it that way. I am on TikTok. Uh, hell, what is my screen name on TikTok? See, you know what? That's how much I don't <laughs> utilize that platform. Um, what is it, Drake? I can't remember. <laughs> What is it? K Renee eight eight seven, I think it is. What did what did it say? Hold on, let me get my glasses. So I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> see, I'm the supportive TikTok cousin. Like I'm the one that throws through watching some videos, let them play a couple of times and hit like. I'm the supportive one. I'm not the one that posts a lot. I think it is K Renee like. I think it's like Renee 887, I think. Um, Instagram is pretty much as boring as TikTok. Um, that one is Kimberly with a Y dot Renee. Are you private? Not private, right? Yeah, it's, uh, that's right. K Renee. That's K R E N E E 887. That's it right there. You got it. Yep. Okay, okay. All right, you know how to find it. And if you're trying to listen to some more makings of yous and things of that nature with everything culture, um, you can find us on anywhere you listen to a podcast. That's from Apple Podcasts to Spotify to YouTube. If you're trying to see the face, if you want to check us out on Audible, Amazon Music, Google Play, Red Circle, which you show can find us, or just come to www.everythingculture.com. That's the one-stop shop, not only for our podcast, but if you want to be on the Makings of You or be on the future episode, you go right there. And if you want to get some merchandise, go there as well. It's, you know, hook you up. It's nice and comfy stuff, you know, that really represents you. Um, and if you're trying to find us on the socials, type in Everything Culture, on Twitter, TikTok, IG, Facebook, Tumblr, even in Pinterest. We're all around. You can find us. But we appreciate your support. We appreciate the interaction. And, you know, the more we grow, the more we want to know. So I want to say thank you again, Renee. Greatly appreciate our conversation yeah. here. And we look forward to having you back in the future. So shout out to y'all once again. Much love and God bless. Peace. Potential is slept on, not only by other people, but by ourselves. And I feel like if we realize that potential, 
we would honestly stop seeking gratification from a group of people that will never see our value and never see our worth. And one of the main reasons why they don't see it is because we don't see it in ourselves. Because you're reaching for acceptance from a group of people who have never cared to begin with. Self-acceptance, self-grace, manifesting within yourself, seeing beyond just what you know or what you're taught. Our parents didn't know everything. Our grandparents didn't know everything. Our great-grandparents didn't know everything. We only did or we only dealt with the cards that laid in front of us. We never reached for the deck and flipped through it to see what else there may be. We only see those cards that... And it's so much more beyond that. So, and I mean, it's lit because I'm black. Definitely good people. It's your host, Drake, the Mr. D713 with Everything Culture. Just letting you know, thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Makers of You. We greatly appreciate your support. We look forward to more support in season four. Make sure you check out www.everythingculture.com for our new merchandise, as well as check out all of our social media sites from Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, and IG. We're all over. We greatly appreciate your support, and we look forward to seeing y'all in the next episode. Peace.